Well, hello there. Before you listen to the following episode, we wanted to take a moment and give a brief disclaimer of sorts. This episode may contain uh, a certain topic or some topics that some listeners may find upsetting or disturbing. At Pixelated Paranormal, it is no secret at all that sometimes we take certain topics or stories and we make light of the situations. It is no secret that we make tons of terrible jokes. Sometimes those are in bad taste. Sometimes you can also argue that they may be comedy gold, but that's not for us to decide. But something else that should be of no secret. At Pixelated Paranormal, we will never, for any reason, support or condone the mistreatment or endangerment of a child, or any other human being for that matter. We wanted to take a moment and share a couple of important phone numbers or hotlines with you, the listeners, in case they may be of some aid to you or somebody you know. The Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline is 1-800-4-A-CHILD. That's 1-800-422-4453. The National Center of Missing and Exploited Children have a hotline as well. 1-800-THE-LOST. 1-800-843-5678. Along with that hotline, there is a very important website you may want to take a look at sometime. It is www.missingkids.com. And on that website, they also have a cyber tip line you can use as well. The mistreatment of children, child abuse, sexual abuse, and human trafficking are no joking matter. And it's something that should be taken very seriously. If you or somebody you know is in danger, there are many ways to reach out, two of which we've just listed. There are plenty of outlets online you can look up to find other aids in case you may need help otherwise. And also, if you are in immediate danger, you can always reach out to your local 911. So if by us sharing this number with you and you in turn sharing it uh, with other people you know, If we can help stop just one case of abuse or mistreatment or human trafficking or worse, then that's a win. So take the numbers down, make note of them, share them. If you or somebody else you know, like I said before, is in any kind of immediate threat, please do not hesitate to reach out for help. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. Haunted Highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. (laughs) Welcome back, everybody, to Pixelated Paranormal, your guides to the unusual and the strange. And tonight's episode is number 38. Man, I can't do the 37-in-a-row joke no more. That's already passed. Can't do anything with that anymore. <laughs> Two more and we're over the hill. Yeah. Well, technically, Rob, you didn't do 37 shows in a row. <laughs> <You> <laughs> That's not your... the joke, motherfuckers. I missed it. Explain it to me. Dumb it down. Uh, Clerks. Oh, again? Nope. See? Falling on deaf ears. Yeah. <laughs> she had to be there. 
<laughs> it's a fantastic this joke. Is, fuck you, Corey. Or it's fuck gonna, you, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Corey, you hear yeah, that? Yeah, fuck you, jerk. you too, Corey. Yeah, fuck you, Corey. <laughs> yeah, and the horse you rode in on, Corndog. Well, uh, tonight's episode, we're just going to keep it pretty much on one central theme to celebrate, A, I just finished reading Stephen King's It for the first time, and B, the brand new movie comes out this Thursday. So technically, we're podcasting from the future. This will come out on Monday, the the following day after opening weekend for the new It movie, so... We don't that's know. That's why we're here. We folks. don't know how good it was. It could totally suck. And yeah, I've but, got tickets for the eight o'clock showing on Thursday, and I'm hoping that uh, you know when the show posts Monday, I'm not like that stupid friggin' friggin' piece. Oh, of trash. that's why you were in such a big hurry to finally finish this book because the movie was coming out. Yeah, I really wanted to knock that puppy out like quick, so I just went nuts and would read like a hundred to two hundred pages a day, just trying to chop that puppy up. So yeah, it, it's funny that uh, my mom is. Was in a frantic mood today. She was like looking up it because she wanted to see the old movie because she had never seen it. And her friend uh-huh. was talking about it. And I was like, she's like, I looked on Netflix. I couldn't find it. She goes, I looked on. I, I, Candy told me the clown's name was Pennywise. I looked that up and it put me all kinds of clown movies on Netflix. And I'm like, and I was like, this guy got possessed by a clown. I was like, this is the fucking terrible mom. And to keep her from <laughs> watching a terrible movie, I went to Amazon. And sure enough, they had a rental for the for the movie on Amazon's video service. So she nice. watched all three of three hours of that tonight. Oh wow! Yeah, what'd she so. think of it? She liked it. Yeah. Uh, and I I was we we went out to go somewhere. We went to have to go get food later. And I was like, so did you finish it? What did you finish it? What are you talking about, <laughs> Mom? Did you finish it? The movie it? Oh, I didn't know what you were talking about. I'm like, jeez. <laughs> Poor lady. <laughs> beep, oh, beep. <laughs> beep, beep, Deborah. <laughs> Do you want a balloon? Yeah, well, we're going we're gonna to talk some more about clowns and whatnot um, here in a little bit, but we're going to go and start things off. Coming at you from the 37th parallel, from the basement of a mad scientist, it's more fantastical tales of robots. So I had to scrape the bottom of the robot barrel this week. I could not find a bunch of good stories. However, I did come across that uh, AI robots are getting very good at pretending to be humans and doing reviews on websites like Amazon and Yelp. So uh, they're getting so well at this that a lot of people can't tell the difference between the robot and the human. So as a fun little example in this story... They gave me some examples. There are four examples here, and I want you guys to tell me if it's a robot or a human. Okay, you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. I love this place. I have been going here for years, and it is a great place to hang out with friends and family. I love the food and service. I have never had a bad experience when I am there. Human or robot? I'm going to go with human on that. I'm shooting robot. All right. Number two. Easily my favorite Italian restaurant. I love the taster menu. Everything is amazing on it. I suggest the cappuccino and the asparagus. Sadly, it has become more widely known and becoming difficult to get a reservation for prime timers. Prime times. Primes. Prime times. Sorry. I'm going to go uh, robot on that. Yeah, I, I should change my first answer to human because that second one sounds robot. Okay, number three. I had the grilled veggie burger with fries. 
exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Oh, and taste dot OMGGGGGG, exclamation point. Very flavorful, exclamation point. It was so delicious that I didn't spell, I didn't spill it, and it spells S-P-E-L-L. That that's like fifty fifty though. That could either be a really <laughs> bad programmed robot or just like a fucking millennial. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go human on that. Okay, and then finally, my family and I are huge fans of this place. The staff is super nice, and the food is great. The chicken is very good, and the garlic sauce is perfect. Ice cream topped with fruit is delicious too. Highly recommended. Human. Robot. Okay, so the only one that was written by a human was number two, which was a spe- easily my favorite Italian restaurant. I've known the taster menu. Everything is amazing on it. I suggest the ca- cappuccino and the asparagus. Sadly, it has become more widely known and becoming difficult to get a reservation for prime times. That is the only one written by a human. Oh, really? So there you go. You guys were fooled by quite a few of those. Yeah. At least one of you was yeah. fooled about every one of them. I mean, the one where it had, like, all the extra GGGs and all that kind of crap, that's pretty easy to fool me because, I mean, that sounds like some dipshit teenager right, right. Uh, wrote the review. So, oh, my that's God, clever. guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is the best chicken in the whole entire world. You have no idea. And so th- that brings another point into it. I was listening to a podcast with uh, Duncan Trussell. Uh, who's usually on Joe Rogan's podcast quite a bit, and uh, uh-huh. he does a podcast called the Duncan Trussell Family Hour, and he was doing he was doing a podcast with a woman, and I can't remember who she was. She's a comedian, but he was talking about how easy it is to fool robots on Twitter. How many Twitter bots there actually are, and he says uh-huh. you can actually start Twitter bot wars by just going on there, make a fresh account, and you go in there and you make a bunch of comments saying, like, have a picture of Donald Trump as your picture or some kind of make America great thing and you'll have a whole bunch of Twitter bots that are Donald Trump bots actually show up and defend you while a bunch of other people will start attacking this thing no matter what you say and they'll eventually the Twitter bots will start fighting with each other really so they're getting so and then in that way it's also drowning out discourse because you can't you don't know what you're arguing with you could be arguing with a bot and so it just kind of really drowns out everything because these Twitter bots are fighting online so does it give you a wicked god, god complex knowing that you're controlling these robots and making them fight for you? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, but it's just it's just like weird because it's we're having we're entering that time where it's hard to have a discourse about anything, and it's going to be harder yeah. and harder online to have a discourse about anything because of AI doing stuff like this, and also there's right now a big war going on with YouTube about what what it wants to what constitutes being able to monetize what you say. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of yeah. a lot of companies or a lot of people that on YouTube can't even post their videos that made them famous and made them a lot of money anymore because they get demonetized immediately if they have any cursing and stuff in it. People like uh, Boogie Two Nine Eight Eight who did the Francis, the big fat guy Francis, who always raged. Well, he made a ton of money off that. And people loved the video, and a lot of game companies would would post on his ad because you know he brought them money because people watch those videos, they get ads. Well, yeah. now almost any time he posts any kind of Francis video, it's automatically demonetized. And there's also people that get into the whole gender specific uh, things and stuff like that, like God Sa- or Gad Saad. Uh, he's an he's an uh, environmental biologist, and like all his videos are being targeted for demonetization because he talks about 
how how we're biologically different and stuff like that, and it goes against the gender policies on a lot of these YouTube and Google and stuff. So it's just really weird how you, these people are getting attacked by a lot of AI for what they're talking about, even if it's non-threatening. Huh. So that's weird, man. Well, what I'm wondering too, like complete tangent off of that is if we have AI that can write stories and papers and tweet and reviews of, you know, restaurants. And I think they had like one that just published its first erotic fiction. (laughs) Um, what, what stops me from, fuck you. (laughs) What stops me as a young budding college student who's a genius when it comes to programming, having an AI write all my research papers. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that honestly, if you could do that, then you're probably <laughs> you probably don't need the the essay anyway, because you're obviously going to go somewhere and and robotics or AI control it or programming. If you can, <laughs> you know, it, it becomes a mute a moot point at that point. I would think, yeah. but uh, you know, but then again, there's already these already these AI bots out there. If who says you just can't go to the one and say, hey, here's five dollars. Uh, write it to the company that made it and they print you out term papers Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean honestly i don't know because it used to be that professors could go to google and type in like a sentence of your paper and they could bring up the forgeries online right right you know um not that i ever went to college or tried any of that i never did go to college or try any of that i promise (laughs) i had an environmental research uh environmental studies class i took just for uh, an elective and partially just a kick you know and the teacher told us he's going to assign us a paper. You have the entire year to write it. Do not write it the night before it's due. I will know that you did it the night before it's due. I will fail you automatically. You have an entire semester. Do the damn paper. Ten-page research paper on one topic that is threatening your local environment. So what did I do? Um, like With most of my greatest work. In, right. Like most of my greatest work in college, it was done the night before it was due. And I wrote a 10-page research paper about uh, the destruction of oil refineries on the environment. And I'm not putting down the oil refinery where I'm from. I'm just saying, like, you know, we all know that causes some damage in the long run. Um, and, I mean, I you had to have five sources that could not be internet. It had to be all five sources from books. And, dudes, I cranked this thing out from 1 a.m. until 5 a.m. Boom, bop, published printed, walked in, handed it to him, and the next week he gave it back to me. And it said 97%, and he had a small paragraph saying, I can tell you spent a lot of time outside outside of the normal. I can tell you spent, like, spring breaks on this, winter breaks on this. I can tell you're very passionate, and this is a very dear subject to your heart. Uh, The amount of research you did is very impressive, and I commend you on your effort. (laughs) I just thought, (laughs) boom, sucker! But honestly, what's more annoying about that is you got a 97 on something that he thought you did so much work on. Yeah, that's true, too. And that's what I was like, oh, why didn't I get a 100? Um, and I think it was just a couple points he made. And if I remember right, like a couple points, I may have like miscited a certain chemical or a certain whatever. I don't know. But yeah, it was uh, it was pretty great. So just want to throw that in there. A little anecdote. <laughs> Well, uh, we have one more robotic story for you guys today. This one was thrown in at the last minute by none other than Big Steven from the O Indeed podcast. He tagged us on Facebook uh, a little video about this really cool device. Um, it's spelled M-O-A-I-E. I don't know if that's going to be pronounced Maui or Malai or something to that effect. But it looks like a small box that goes on the inside of an aquarium. 
and it's the size of like a small cell phone or um, a small like digital hard drive. And this little thing is docked in the corner of your actual aquarium and it's remote controllable, or it can run on its own, kind of like a little Roomba. And you can control it with your cell phone. It's got a camera on it, and you can look at all the aquatic life in your aquarium. It's really pretty sweet. But it also acts as an ultrasonic cleaner. It uses ultrasonic uh, waves to figure out what parts of your uh, glass of your aquarium are dirty, and it goes through and polishes those up. And it's really freaking cool, and I thought it's pretty fantastic. But <laughs> what's the best part of this is Stephen's comment. He tags all three of us and our show on Facebook on, uh, uh, what is this called? Now This Future's uh, Facebook page. And it says, <laughs> we're all <laughs> we're all here saying the same thing, dot, dot, dot. And what is that one thing we're all thinking about? <laughs> Can you fuck this robot? <laughs> oh, okay. I get it now. I get it. It's <laughs> oh, fantastic. Mm, Rob's going to be able oh. to get his dick wet on that one. Right. Pun intended. So hats <laughs> off to you, Big Steve, because, yes, that is the burning question. It's like, you know, 10 years ago they had that uh, that video series and that website called Will It Blend? <laughs> Our new website's going to be Can I F This Robot? <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, thanks, Steve. You bring up... We ought to <laughs> cut that part out because I want to make that website. We don't want to get that idea out too soon. <laughs> we don't want to. Uh, it's probably already So we're here with Robert Wood today. Hi. So we're here with the uh, Curry... Uh, robot. Uh, it's a robot on tracks. It walks around your apartment, takes pictures of everything. So we got the question, Rob, can you fuck it? Well, I don't know, guys. Let me take a look at this. I have a feeling the list of things you were successful with would be a lot larger than the list that you were not successful with. <laughs> with I might have a little a trouble with the AI Yelp uh, writing bot. Oh, good stuff. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and get into the thick of it here. Um, I'm going to jump into a little bit of news that I've got uh, in the theme of today's show. And the first one is apparently all throughout Sydney, Australia, there was a rash of red balloons showing up tied to tons of different storm drains. And most people had no idea what the hell it was for. And you guys probably guessed it. It is a little bit of a uh, marketing campaign for the new movie, Stephen King's It. And so, yeah, uh, the balloons started popping up on various storm grates and storm drains throughout Sydney. And finally, somebody went public and said, hey, dipshits, this is all just advertised for the new movie. So I thought that was pretty fantastic. And uh, we've talked about this before. But the next thing I want to bring up in the news is real life clowns are again pissed off at Stephen King. I wonder why. So we've talked about that as well. Yeah. Don't blame Stephen King because there's tons of other people that pissed in the, the soup before him for you guys. You know, it's not just Stephen King's it. It's not just Pennywise that screwed over the public uh, image of clowns, but there's been tons of stuff. Killer clowns from outer space. John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. <laughs> just other, to name a couple. Every but other yeah, um, molester clown out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're approaching the release of the new It remake, and the clown hype has become, uh, become getting thick again. And so with that, the World Clown Association has put itself in the press again, condemning all who are movie clowns for giving them a bad name. In a letter written by organization spokeswoman Sparky the Clown, who's a firefighter, uh, she even tries to say that Jason Voorhees didn't ruin hockey for kids or something like that. Um, and she says here, we understand that some people enjoy the horror genre of entertainment, but we find that many people are confronted by images of horror characters impersonating clowns and are startled by them. 
which is obviously the goal of the horror characters. In my opinion, these horror characters should not be clowns. Even the character in the movie It should be understood to be a fantasy character, not a true clown. Please understand, just because someone wears a Halloween mask, don't make it a clown. The horror movie character Jason wears a hockey goalie mask. But would people mistake It for actually being a real hockey player? (laughs) We disavow any relationship with horror movies. I don't know. Why would you compare Jason Voorhees to hockey? Right, but that's the only thing he does hockey. He's yeah. not on a on a rink or riding skates or carrying a hockey stick at all. Yeah, he doesn't fucking, like, chop somebody's head off with a hockey stick. Well, that's exactly the point they're making. You know, Pennywise doesn't go around uh, or doesn't go around to children's parties and stuff. He kills people, and clowns don't really kill people. Right. Yeah, that's kind good of the point. So... The World Clown Association has been pissed off at tons of people, and recently Stephen King sent out a tweet back in April saying, The clowns are pissed at me. Sorry, most are great, but kids have always been scared of clowns. Don't kill the messengers for the message. Which is a good point. You know, it's not just him. It's not just Pennywise. And that makes you wonder, too, like, is the WCA pissed off at the Insane Clown Posse as well? Yeah. I mean, I would assume. I mean, I would be just because they're the insane clown posse. Right. I would assume so. But, I mean, it's argued here on the website. The writer says here, um, Pennywise specifically is doing exactly what real clowns do, grabbing kids' attention with distractions while something else is going on, which realistically that's what clowns kind of did back in the circus too. Clowns were put on there to be kind of goofballs and kind of take you away to distract you whilst they cleaned up the uh, the elephant shit or they changed the set piece or they reeled up all the uh, trapeze swings and stuff like that so i don't know i can totally understand being uh, upset you know you have just enough time to get rid of the stigma or kind of step back out in the limelight so to speak and then the movie comes back out and pisses you off but i don't know i mean if you're a good clown i think you're gonna do fine but they argue that it has been damning to their careers and the overall um, numbers of the World Clown Association have been dwindling just because it's hard to find work for a clown right now. So does that mean that the theater in Texas where uh, they uh, encourage all the clowns to come dress, you know, dressed up in their clown attire and watch the movie in a special screening, would that make those clowns hypocrites? <laughs> well... Okay, it it would if they were real clowns. If it's just the theater pandering to fans, asking fans to dress up as clowns, then no, I don't think it's hypocritical, but I see what you're saying. <laughs> but, you know, hey, why couldn't you be a clown, like an actual paid clown, and still, still appreciate uh, Stephen King's It and other horror movies, you know? Yeah. I think, if anything, you could look at these horror movies and have those be a lesson of what not to be. So, that's... That's my two cents worth. So uh, well, with the news, we'll just cruise right on into the clowns. And yeah, again, we're just kind of all excited about the new It movie coming out. And something I thought was kind of cool, without too many spoilers, um, you have that whole rule of Pennywise coming around every 27 years. Um, did you guys realize that it's been 27 years ago this year? I don't think it's this month. I think it's this year, 27 years ago, the original uh, made-for-TV Stephen yep. King's It movie came out. Is it 27 years? Is that actually what was in the book, too? Yeah. Yes, yes 27 years. That's pretty years. cool. And then so, they also timed it to when they, when if they do the second movie. Uh-huh. Because they changed the... Uh, so the, the book originally took place in the 50s, but they upped time scale in the new movie to the 80s. Yeah. But then that would make it 
2016 when the the second movie takes place as an adult which is also 27 years so that way um it's more relevant to the to 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 today's (laughs) society huh so i thought that was kind of cool that they took that consideration so that's why they jumped the uh the time scales on the the new movie so oh nice all this just makes me feel old (laughs) so are they gonna then i guess modernize the the second movie whenever they're adults then yeah, because it'll take place in 2016, which is 27 okay. years after the 1980s when this one takes place. Oh, that's this freaking one, awesome. This one takes place in like 88, 89. So. Yeah, yeah. Ah, that's really kind of cool. I like that. Well, I'm hoping it's going to be a pretty successful movie because I've got a lot of uh, hopes for it. And do you know who can't see this movie? Who? Donald, Donald motherfucking Trump. Trump. Oh, Stephen King really? tweeted, fuck you, buddy. You're not going to this theater. Oh, can't man. Can't watch my movies. That's so, crazy. From saying, I don't know how he can ban the president. Right, from it's publicity. Movie. It's going to get you a lot more views from people who are anti-Trump, uh, I guess. But yeah. not that Trump's going to run out and get it. If he wanted, he'd just buy a fucking theater and watch it. Just yeah. well, I mean, that's that's just it too. Or I think as the president, you could probably just request it from the production house and be like, "Hey, need to copy of that. I'm your boss." <laughs> Wouldn't it be fucking shitty if Trump got it? Like, hey, I'm your boss. Give me that movie. They they feel like they're forcing it to him, and then yeah. some bitch releases it online for free. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very well, Trump fucking so, thing. Yeah, that's a Trump thing to do. Like he's got the post where it says, "Hey Donald or Hey Donnie, you can't see my movie," and then you see Donald Trump go wrong, and then he just starts playing it. <laughs> oh, that would be well. You know what? Actually, I think that would get old Trumpers in a lot of trouble because if you if you release a movie beforehand or you. Uh, illegally stream it then that's like what fifty thousand dollars or something like that and yeah. up to six years in prison yeah but he could just pardon himself because he's president <sighs> yeah that's true <laughs> that's true man my arguments are full of holes <laughs> <laughs> well okay so let's get into it then <laughs> thanks for that uh so clowns right why are we afraid of clowns? Anybody got any input? Because of Stephen King's it. <laughs> right. Shut up, Preston. No. Done and record no. time. That's it, folks. We'll catch you next time on Pixelated Paranormal. <laughs> Save the punchline, and he delivered it right now. So, yeah, um, with clowns, it basically – it's such a, a popular thing to be afraid of clowns that we have – what's it called? Cholerophobia? No, that sounds about right. I, th- I thought it was colorophobia, like the fear of colors. It didn't make any sense, but it's spelled C O U L R O phobia. Chlorophoria? <laughs> That's not the, ain't that the fear of chloroform? I yeah. think <laughs> I think chloroforia would be the sexual obsession with clowns, <laughs> which is probably mm. it. Actually, is a fetish, folks. There are people who really enjoy. Uh, to see clowns get it on and there's guys and gals who are called lunars or loons who enjoy the hearing the hearing the sound and sight of balloons popping too man so do you think that uh, somebody that has that uh, that has that clown fetish they dressed up as pennywise and like beep beep fuck me richie Oh, yeah, I bet somewhere in the depths of the bowels of the internet there is somebody that has that. I bet right now if you Googled it, there would be a sexual uh, porn parody of Stephen King's It. I'm going to call it right now. It's going to be called Ske- <laughs> Stephen King's Tit. Look it up what? right now. We need a fact checker. 
Colrophobia is basically... <laughs> what? The, no no stopping this train. No stopping this train, pup. Um, yeah, it is the rational phobia of clowns. It is the downright fear of clowns. And specifically, the fear of clowns really stems from childhood, I believe, with the fact that, you know, as your children, as we're children, we're very reactive and familiar uh, with faces. We learn to identify facial expressions with happy, sad, fear, anger. And that's just – that's how we're programmed. And then we go on to grow oh. to know different body languages to see, again, if somebody's uh, menacing or they're warm and accepting. You learn your parents, their faces, their body language, everything else. Clowns really kind of skew that entire um, – appearance clown costumes oh my phone just went off look at me world's most professional podcast so clown costumes tend to exaggerate the facial features and body parts of clowns uh, such as the hands and the feet and the nose and the mouths um and this kind of insinuates a sense of fear in people because we know a face to be two eyes a nose and mouth everything's proportionate when you start skewing that shit and making the eyes more accentuated with big black circles or white circles big red nose beep beep uh, big smile, everything else, you're really starting to throw everything for a huge loop. And as a child especially, you're used to seeing that normal face, those normal body parts. Uh, when you start throwing in clowns at, at, at kids, it's kind of like, what the hell's going on? Like, last time I knew your mouth wasn't that big and eyeballs weren't that big and your nose shouldn't be bulbous and red and everything else. And why the hell do you have giant orange hair? So this really starts to kind of become a deformed, monstrous mess to children and that shit just sticks with you, and it haunts you for a really long time. And if you want to get super into it, we can get really psychological and talk about the uh, the uncanny valley. And this kind of goes to like the robot stuff we talk about. The uncanny uh, the uncanny valley basically is referencing when human replicas or human esque forms are made to replicate or appear as a human. Something's always not quite right. So maybe the eyes are too big, the skin is too shiny, or something's not quite you know spot on. Anytime you see this, it starts to elicit feelings of eeriness and revulsion. So as a child, if they see a clown walking towards them with his hands out saying, come here, little guy, I got some candy for you, and you get closer and realize, you know, it's like a dirty old hobo, um, it really kind of throws everything into a skew because you're not used to that. People aren't supposed to look that way. So when you have that kind of stuff mixed with um, other frightening images from pop culture, it hits you as a kid and it goes straight into the adult life. So basically, that's where the phobia comes from. Hits you as a child, and that shit just rides you like sea biscuit until God knows when. But um, what's weird about clowns, too, not just the appearance, but also their behavior. It's really transgressive, um, antisocial. So we know, also growing up as children, right and wrong. You don't pull down pants of your friends. You don't put thumbtacks in teachers' chairs. You don't run around hiding things and being mischievous. That's exactly what clowns do. They exhibit uh, they exhibit such odd behavior. Um, they're portrayed as pranksters and tricksters. They run amok, causing all sorts of chaos and dismay. All this kind of crap that you know we're told not to do. So now you're kind of like, what the hell? These little guys running around causing all sorts of problems, riding in tiny cars and hitting people with mallets. We're not supposed to do that. Um, so, you know, that really ensues another layer of fear onto people because when you see a clown in public and you're walking around and you think about everything you saw as a kid at the circus, the first thing you think of as a teenager is like, oh God, there's a clown. I don't want him to pull my pants down. Oh crap. That's being so embarrassing. So it just starts building on layers upon layers and the fear grows and grows and grows. And so even though it's, you know, it's not normal and you know, you shouldn't be scared of them. You see clowns as an adult and you still crap your pants and run away screaming. So... 
that's a little bit about why clowns are so scary. I uh, did, did anybody ever have any clown stories from when they were little? So when I when I was like uh, three or four, <clears throat> uh-huh. my uh, when I was born, my grandmother had made like a baby blanket for me that was hand stitched, uh-huh. and it was a giant clown. And it wasn't very, like, scary looking. Um, but so when I got to three or four, my mom wanted to decorate my room. And she found, like, these old Victorian-looking clown dolls that were, like, in a series, like, with the porcelain uh, faces. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they were posed really weird. And uh, they put them up on a shelf in my bedroom. And, like, those clown dolls, like, even before I ever watched the miniseries back in the early 90s of Stephen King's It!, Mm-hmm. Those fucking clown dolls are what made it worse for me because I oh, always shit. associated Pennywise with those little clown dolls because when I was a little kid, it always looked like they were watching me all the time because of the way that they painted the eyes and the facial yeah. expressions. Uh-huh. That when you Elongated would, eyes, yeah. Yeah, when you would walk around the room, those dolls' eyes would like look back and forth, and I always got creeped out. Really, so. Preston? Because I, I had those same exact kind of dolls, and the eyes never followed me. Oh, whatever, Rob. <laughs> beep, beep, Robbie. <laughs> I did actually have. Cl- I remember clown dolls being popular when I was a child. Yeah, yeah. My parents just—I think they just sold some like old blown glass clown dolls they brought over from England. I think they just now sold them, and it's funny because I—I I didn't look up. I should have got a number. The amount of people who hate clowns. My mom showed Shayla uh, the clown dolls, and she's or the clown statues, and she's like, "Yeah, do you think anybody would want these?" And my wife goes, "Hell no! Throw them in the trash. Break them. <laughs> <laughs> Those things are creepy." <laughs> That's a pretty quick I, uh, response right there. Eh? <laughs> right. You didn't even think about it. You're like, "Fuck no! Kill them." Because I'm like, I don't know. They're from they're from England. They're probably worth a pretty penny to the right collector. Yeah, maybe we should list those. And Shayla goes, "No, break the damn things, <laughs> hawk them in the trash." So I uh, I had this one instance that gave me. I'm not afraid of clowns now, but I've got this one instance that really just scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Um, in the house that I grew up in, my parents uh, when we first bought it, my parents had a bedroom in the back of the house, and then there's another room just in front of that, which was my brother and I's bedroom. And the doorway off of that went into the living room. So basically to get to my parents' bedroom, you had to walk through our bedroom to get back to theirs. And so it wasn't uncommon for my mom and dad and I and maybe my brother to sit there and watch Unsolved Mysteries at night. And my mom had – I think it was my mom or my grandma had made like a two-and-a-half, three-foot-tall stuffed clown doll. And it used to creep me out uh, for the same reasons, man. Big eyeballs, rosy red cheeks, giant nose, frilly you know, hair – just always creeped me out. And for some reason, they always set it on top, the shelving unit that was just right inside the bedroom. Um, so you had to walk by the shelving unit to walk out of the bedroom into the living room. And it would always sit up there. And I swear at night, I'd see it like climb down real slow, uh, just like the Poltergeist movie. And the lightning's you know crashing or a car drives by and it's closer to me and closer and closer. I used to be so freaking afraid of that damn clown doll. <laughs> One time, my parents are watching Unsolved Mysteries. I'm already just a little bit creeped out because I'm probably too young to really be watching it. And I went in the bedroom and I forgot to turn the light on. I freaked out. I turned around to run back out of the bedroom. And I think the vibrations of my heavy feet caused the clown doll to fall off the shelf. But as I'm running by, all I know in my head is the clown jumped off the shelf, landed on top of me. I fell and screamed bloody murder. <laughs> it terrified the shit out of me. Yeah, exactly. Because in my head, the damn thing jumped off. I watched it jump off the shelf as I'm running <laughs> towards it. And it just lunges at me. And, yeah, it scared the crap out of my parents. And I was just like, ah, get away, get away, get away. And I don't know whatever happened to it, but 
I, I could never, I could probably see it now and I'd probably get, you know, some convulsions and fall down in a fetal position. Freaking I almost said out. fecal position. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might have been a fecal position before you were done with it. That's yeah. true. That is very true. Uh, Rob, did you ever have any instances where clowns just scared the crap out of you? Nope. Never really bothered me. I thought it was weird when I dated a girl who was scared of clowns. I mean, yeah? I, just, I never really was scared of them. I just thought they were stupid. <laughs> My I mean, hero. remember, in eighth grade, I went to go hunt the clowns down, remember? That's true. I, went, I wasn't afraid of no fucking clowns, all right? You were street justice Rob back in those days. That's right. Eighth grade, the- buddy. 13 years old. Uh, yeah, 13, yeah, 13 years old. I was hunting that bitch down. Man. Who's going clown hunting? We's going clown hunting. Who's going clown hunting? We's going clown hunting. What time is it, Rob? It's time to go downtown. Kill a clown. Downtown kill a clown, Rob. That's my action before, figure back in that was my action figure back in the nineties. Uh, before you were the perfect gentleman. <laughs> you were downtown kill a clown, Rob. What are you doing there, Rob? Putting on my clown killing pants. <laughs> they look like the same pants you wore to school. They are. <laughs> clown killer Rob, don't take no shit from no clowns. The other part of the clowns that really get to us is the fact that clowns are almost a mirror that we almost see ourselves in if you want to get down to it. What's kind of scary about uh, scary. What's kind of scary about clowns is the fact that they're running around doing our basic instincts. They're causing chaos. They're lifting up, you know, the skirts of the pretty dames that run across the stage. They're tripping the hero. They're goosing, you know, people running past them. They're doing all this goofy stuff. They're basically just a bunch of just angry, mischievous, horny little bastards. And that's what's kind of scary, too, is the fact that they're kind of just mimicking what we all are possibly deep inside, if you get down to the root of it. They're just these little creatures that go around exhibiting our basic desires in human nature. So that, too, kind of scares people, too. They're doing the things that we're not supposed to do. And yet we laugh at them when we do it, which means when I watch you know, a clown walk by and, and goose some girl who bends over, is that laughing because it's funny or laughing because secretly we want to do that? So a little, little creepier if you want to get down to the root of it. So, um, so okay, with all that, I think it's good that we talk about clowns and kind of where they came from and where they go. And it's not going to be full of a bunch of boring-ass history lessons because that's just kind of <clears throat> stupid. Um, but basically, quicker story shorter, clowns go f- as far back as Egypt. Back in the days of the Egyptian pharaohs, it was common to find pygmies that would dress themselves up with rouge and, and you know funny hair to kind of appease and entertain the pharaohs. So you can trace them back at least that far. And also in popular culture, there's more than just clowns that uh, do that job. You have clowns, you have jesters, you have harlequins, and a lot of other different types of um, you know folk that all fall into the realm of clowns. Uh, and just this just in, I did a, a independent uh, poll, and uh, the person mm-hmm. I asked, she said she is uh, she is not afraid of clowns, but they are creepy. Okay. So thank you, Mad Bob's twenty twenty, uh, for that answer. So yeah. <laughs> Shout out. So if you want to go back in time and talk about some of the most famous clowns and jesters alike, uh, Rigoletto is a pretty popular uh, jester from pop culture. Did I lose you guys? No, no. I'm here. Okay, sweet. Just, okay. So the character Rigoletto. Rigoletto what? What's a Rigoletto? Um, Rigoletto, or I'm pretty sure that's right, Rigoletto. Um, he was a hunchback. And that's more of a character who was based on a real-life person. Um, his job, essentially, was to mock everybody in the court for the amusement of the Duke. And he was not very much uh, well-liked. So the figure of Rigoletto is basically um, 
that of a real-life jester named Tribulette or Tribulet. This is back in like the 1400s, uh, the very beginning of the 1500s. He's a man who suffered from micro microcephaly, a neurological developmental disorder, and basically he was kind of a hunchback. Uh, he was deformed in appearance. He had a bowed back. He was short, short legs, long, twisted, hanging arms, and he amused the ladies who contemplated him as that of a monkey or a pirouette. According to legend, Tribulet was not well liked by the court, and he was oftentimes physic. <laughs> According to physically legend, abused. He's the hunchback of Notre Dame. Pretty much. Yeah, he pretty much was. According to legend, Tribulet was not well liked by the court, and he was oftentimes physically abused or beaten. When he complained to King Francis I of a nobleman who threatened to beat him to death, the king replied, If he does, I will hang him within a quarter of an hour after he does such a deed. And Tribulet replies back, Ah, sir, couldn't you contrive to hang him a quarter of an hour before he beats me? <laughs> Which makes more sense to me. <laughs> like, he's already made the threat, sire. Maybe we just hang him now. When he's about to be beaten by a group of people for insulting them, Tribulet also responded in rhyme. It didn't save him, though eventually he was beaten almost to death. He did recover soon enough to become one of France's most celebrated jesters. So he was a mouthy dwarf. Yeah, pretty much. Just like, you know, the Tyrion Lannister of the, of the courts. Well, um, another fun fact about jesters, and I thought this was really pretty fucked up. Back in those days, if a jester didn't amuse the dukes or the kings or upper class that he was working for, it wasn't unusual to be beaten almost to death or worse off. If they didn't want to kill you, if you didn't make the king or the duke smile, they would take a knife, permanently cut into your face, severing the tendons that allowed you to frown, thus carving a permanent smile into your face. How did I get these scars? <laughs> well, that's okay, what cool. happened to the Joker. He didn't make people laugh. <laughs> what if that was really it? He just didn't make somebody laugh. <laughs> he was a stand-up comedian. So the main ancestor of the modern-day clown would be Britain's most popular entertainer during the early 1800s, Joseph or Joey Grimaldi. And he devised a standard for clown's makeup of the stark white face paint, bright red spots on his cheeks, and always exaggerating other facial features with his different uh, makeups. Now, since Grimaldi was one of the earliest celebrities, this means that pretty much in true fashion, everybody knew who he was. Everybody knew all about him. And that was kind of a sad deal because just like most celebrities, his real life was anything but comedy. He grew up with a tyrant of a father who would always beat the crap out of him and just never take anything good enough. You know, nothing was ever good enough for his dad. He was such a jerk. Uh, and this made Grimaldi prone to bouts of depression. Also, his first wife died during childbirth, and his son, born of that wife, uh, was an alcoholic clown himself who drank himself to death by the age of 31. Uh, so basically, Grimaldi was just living a life of sadness, and that's kind of the old saying he who cries the most laughs the loudest. And that was kind of his curse. Um, he would just always want to make people laugh. He oftentimes said, I'm grim all day, but I make you laugh at night. And that's actually a joke poking at people that everybody else is sad too. And they all come here so everybody can laugh together. Kind of sad. Um, Grimal Unfortunately, Grimaldi's physical gyrations, the leaps and tumbles and violent slapstick falls that he would take that made him famous, also left him in constant pain and prematurely disabled. And he himself also died, unfortunately. I think, um, I didn't really say, I don't think it was alcoholism. I think he lived to be fairly old, but he did indeed die. So kind of sad. But while Grimaldi was famous 
for being, you know, one of the modern day forefathers of clowning. In France, another clown is hot on the heels of Grimaldi himself and becomes famous for a different reason. Just like Grimaldi, a gentleman, a Frenchman named Jean-Gaspard de Barreau was also famous right about the time that Grimaldi died as becoming an up-and-coming clown himself. And this guy kind of stole his signature look. It was red lips, black eyebrows, white faces, silent gesticulations that delighted French people around the world. That's kind of dumb. Around France, at least. Ha <laughs> ha! Hi-yo! <laughs> uh, Deborah was well known around the streets of France for being quite the performer. He would do tons of shows. Everybody knew him in makeup and out of makeup, both. Everybody loved Deborah. He was such a great, great clown or mime in those days. But the problem was, one day he dressed up as a lesser known character, went out, did a couple public shows, and was riddled with boos and hisses because it just wasn't quite as funny as his normal routine. So this kind of put a chip on his shoulder, and he quickly retired that act. A couple years Years later, in 1838, Deborah was walking through the public scene, and a small boy came up out of a clearing and just started taunting him for his shitty performances years earlier. Ah, you suck, you stupid clown. Remember that one time you made a bad joke? You suck. And what happened after that, folks? Well, Deborah hit the kid with a cane and fucking killed the guy. <laughs> That's this right. This is why you should become a haggler. Don't go to comedy <laughs> shows and haggle. Yeah. So while Grimaldi became famous for being one of the forefathers of clowning, Mr. Jean Gaspard de Barreau became famous for being the first recorded clown to kill a guy. Which begs the question, folks can clowns really get away with murder? Pixelated Paranormal presents Death by Clowns. This is the unsolved murder of Marlene Warren and her killer clown, Gunman. This tale takes place on May 26, 1990. When Marlene Warren opened the front door of her Florida home to none other than a clown. Imagine Pennywise, Tim Curry style, wearing an orange wig, white face paint, and a red nose. <laughs> the clown was carrying flowers and balloons, and one balloon bore the text, You're the Greatest. After offering Marlene the balloons and flowers, the clown promptly raised the gun and fired one bullet into Marlene's mouth, killing her. I'm the clown and I'm going to kill you. Marlene's son arrived just in time to see the brown-eyed clown get into a white Chrysler LeBaron and drive off, never to be seen again. Oh shit, Chrysler LeBaron, that was my first car. It was my first car too, 1989. Powder blue. <laughs> Mine was a 1979. I blew the rods in the middle of driving, and just like uh, uh, the Blues Brothers, like fucking oil was spraying all over the place. And I was like, wah, wah. <laughs> Four days later, the white Chrysler LeBaron was found by police. It had been reported stolen from a car rental agency run by none other than Michael Warren. Marlene's husband. In the truck of the car, police found a brown paper bag from Publix and orange fibers, which were similar to the orange wig worn by the killer clown. 
During the course of the investigation, Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office learned that Michael Warren was regularly seen at an apartment of a business associate, Sheila Keene, who ran a car repossession company that sometimes did work for Warren's car rental company. Neighbors believe the two were married. They both denied any romantic involvement but admitted traveling together for business. Sheila Keene was estranged from her husband Richard at this time. Curiously, a woman matching Keene's description was reported by costume shop employees as having purchased the clown costume to fit the killer clown's description. This woman had appeared to have been in a hurry and requested extra face whitener to ensure complete facial coverage. Two employees tentatively identified Sheila Keene as the woman who had purchased the costume. Additionally, on the morning of the murder, a woman matching Keene's description was seen purchasing balloons and flowers at the nearby Publix supermarket. Efforts to connect Michael Warren and Sheila Keene to the murder of Marlene Warren proved ultimately futile. Nothing apparently came of the orange fibers and no body was charged with or convicted of the murder of Marlene Warren. Public records show that Sheila Keene divorced her husband Richard in 2000 and in 2002, Sheila and Michael were quietly married in a ceremony in Las Vegas. So that story is also known as the West Palm Beach murder. And I've read about it several times and thought it's, it's a pretty interesting little case there, the fact that it's still unsolved and everything else. What would you guys think about that shit? So it, it surprised me that it, it went unsolved just because they were able to find some evidence in the in the trunk of this car. So they found, like, the Publix bag. They found some orange hair fibers. And they were able to link this woman as going to this store – and people would say, well, you know, if it was like 1970, 19, early 1980s, like our forensics wasn't that great. So, yeah, I could see them not being able to get good forensics. But this was like fucking 1990. All right. This is like O.J. Simpson era. Like our forensics was, you know, starting to become really good at, at that time. So something we should have been able to pin on them. But the, the cops were just really sloppy with it. And because they didn't do a good job. They were ne- n- never able to pin anything on this guy. Uh-huh. So the only thing they could do was uh, find out that the car lot that he owned with the rental cars and everything else, he was actually knocking the odometers back so that when he went to sell them, he could get a better deal on them. So they got him on fraud for nine years. So the guy spends nine years in jail uh, for fraud, gets out, and then a couple years later marries the girl that the cops thought um, he had you know, coerced into killing his wife. Huh. Huh. That's fucking nuts. And it was just so odd. I mean, you think about it, like, the way that story was told. Like, she opens up the door, and there's a clown, and it's got balloons. It says, you're the greatest! And then, bam, you're dead. Yeah, that's pretty fucked. I mean, it's a great distraction, I suppose, if you hand them the balloons and the flowers. My only question is this to that story. I don't know if the you're the greatest balloon was ad-libbed in there by the storyteller to make it more interesting. Because if her son only saw the clown as he was running away... How do we know that the clown had a balloon in the front line that said, you're the best? Right. Is this something that uh, they saw later on? Like, if, this, if the clown killed her while they were inside and she let the balloons go inside? Ah, uh, sure. You okay. Know, but otherwise, if she was just standing in the in the front door or by the front door and she's out in the open, she could have let the balloons go and then, you know, you never – who knows? Right. 
But yeah, that's I don't know. It's pretty it's pretty shitty if your if your husband would go to those links to do it. Yeah. It just I don't know. Sounds like a true crime TV show that should be made. <laughs> okay, and we got one more that you put together for us. Our next story takes place on a quiet evening on October the 18th, 2013. Francisco Rafael Arellano Felix, the eldest brother of Mexico's one-spirit Arellano Felix drug clan, was celebrating his 63rd birthday on the Baja Beach Resort of Los Cabos when a man dressed as a clown stepped onto the beach and said, I'm gonna kill you old style. shot and killed Felix before fleeing the scene. And Rob, basically, um, this one is a story of Francisco Felix, who was a Mexican drug lord, and he's the leader of a cartel, and his life's in constant danger. He's a really bad dude. And finally, an assassin dressed as a clown approaches him during one of his birthday celebrations and fucking just wastes him. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, they're the on the fantastic. beach, you know, they got the, you know, drinks in the hand, Cuban cigars, and all of a sudden a clown walks on a beach and is like, opens up fire and just fucking pumps him full of lead. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know. That's clever, too. I mean, yeah. if you got to get close to somebody and you're going to do it mob style, why not dress oh, up shit, as a it's clown? a birthday party. Somebody brought the clown. And once he got the machine gun, dun, 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 dun. we're all dead. All right. oh man that's awesome so yeah it sounds to me like these clowns are kind of doing their thing and they are indeed getting away with murder and uh with the 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 warren case one of the cops had speculated like why a clown why a clown everybody kept asking asking why a clown Mm -hmm. but if you think back to the comment that the uh, the public's clerk made that the woman kept asking for more, you know, face paint. Right. It's because she wanted to be able to conceal her face. So if you need a disguise where people aren't going to be able to recognize you because you're distorting your eyes. You know, right, you're putting right. all this makeup on to have these distorted features, that it makes the perfect, uh, per- makes the perfect makeup or, you know, a mask, so to speak, to commit a murder. If people don't know that it's you. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it's it's brilliant in a way, as as sick as that sounds. And I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying, yeah, that's that's the whole story of clowns. And we'll talk more about how you know why why clowns um, here in a little bit too. But yeah, it's just it's pretty it's pretty freaking crazy. And if we're going to talk about murder, unfortunately, we do have to talk about the most dastardly, infamous uh, clown killer of all time, and that's going to be uh, John Wayne Gacy. And we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about him, but yeah, uh, Gacy was a hardworking guy. He was also registered as a clown, publicly known as Pogo, and he went to all sorts of entertaining uh, events throughout his community. And between 1972 and 1978, he sexually assaulted and killed more than 35 young men in the Chicago area. Um, skipping some of the gory details, Gacy was found guilty of 33 counts of murder, and he was executed later in 1994. But yeah, he uh, he would dress himself as a clown and go to public events uh, dressed up as Pogo. And again, you say why why a clown? Well, if your target is unfortunately this is disgusting young boys, um, how can you get close to anybody? You dress up like a clown. People are scared of clowns, but also you're just still a, a doofy, dim-witted clown. You know, bonehead. What's the worst you're gonna do? So that was his way to get in. He could get in and unfortunately scout his victims and get the trust of a lot of the community. 
And the longer you're in the public eye, the more and more you're accepted. And unfortunately, he was able to commit these uh, these horrible deeds um, from doing all that. But what's weird to me is I don't know what the actual like application process is to be a professional clown. But what's terrifying enough is that Gacy, who had already been convicted of sexually assaulting uh, a teenage boy in 1968, was still given access to children as a clown later on down the road. So, I mean, if you if you were convicted of sexually assaulting a child, wouldn't you be registered somewhere? And if you're registered somewhere, wouldn't, you know, one of the things you can't be, uh, be a clown if you're going to be around a bunch of kids? I'm sure you couldn't be a teacher. So how come you can be a clown? What was this, like 1970, though? Like 19- uh, It was 68 when he was convicted of the sexual assault. And then it was like, uh, what did I say? Like the 70, 72 through 78 is the rough outline there. So I don't know. It's pretty messed up. All in all. But what's weirder is like we all kind of know that tale. We Everybody knows the history of it. Everybody's watched a couple TV specials about Gacy and everything else. Um, something that's kind of left out quite often is the fact that um, before he was executed, a detective had asked Gacy about the whereabouts of his other victims. And he just kind of laughed at the detectives and said, well, that's for you guys to find out. Um, another detective also discovered that outside of Chicago, Gacy had traveled to somewhere between 50 to 20 other states in the U.S. sometime during you know the 70s. That's a decade he could have gone anywhere he wanted to outside of Chicago. So what's really sick and really shitty about the entire uh, Gacy murder is the fact that there could be many more than just 33 people who were um, affected by that. There could be a lot more, and there's no way to really tell anymore. And uh, some of the bodies, I guess, were unidentifiable back then, and they're still, uh, within the last couple of years, identifying some of his victims to this day, which kind of goes to show you how incredible the forensics evidence has gotten and forensics um, you know, detectives have gotten between the 70s and now. But it's still also sad that you still have to spend that much time identifying people because of, for whatever reason, or another decomposition or whatever. So, now, Did he chop them up and eat them, too? That was his thing? No. <laughs> I don't think, I, I'm not laughing. I'm just laughing at your idiocies. I don't think so. Oh, but you know what? Ch- I, chopped them up and ate. Man, there's so many serial killers, though, that are like that. That like, Well, do, you're right. You're right. Because Gacy is also kind of in the same pin as Dahmer because they kind of became famous and they're always kind of one in, hand in hand in a way. And in your defense, when you look at Leatherface or uh, Hannibal Lecter, these stories and these characters are oftentimes built on two or three different mythos from, you know, actual real life. So, yeah, I, I shouldn't laugh at you because that's a really good question. <laughs> You're probably not the only person that has that question. But I don't think there's ever any cannibalism in his uh, in his story. I think it was just the case of he would just murder them, um, do whatever, sexually assault them, unfortunately, and then bury most of the bodies, I think, under his house or in various places. So, mm, Yeah, I'm trying to look it up right now. Yeah, look it up and see, but I don't think any – I don't think he did that. That would be freaking – that would be even worse. Yeah, it says one count of sodomy, 33 counts of murder, one count of sexual assault, and one count of indecent liberties with a child. Yes. And he's got a long list. Yeah, he does. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible story. It's one of the worst yeah, as far as like those types of killings and stuff like that in modern day. It's one of the absolute worst uh, recorded, so – so after that, we roll into the 80s, and I think this is where really the whole killer clown thing really just skyrocketed and became really, really popular. Gacy, number one, 
uh, he did enough damage to the World Clown Federation or World Clown Association. That's when they first took their biggest blow was the fact that, you know, one of the most popular clowns in Chicago committed such terrible deeds. That really delivered a huge blow to the professional clowns. And on top of that, when you start getting stories into the popular culture, especially 70s and 80s about killer clowns, it's only a matter of time before people take hold of that and start writing that into their own you know, fiction and making them into their movies. So, boom, there we go. You've got Stephen King. Cue Mr. King himself. Um, in the 1980s, among the movie Stephen, uh, I'm dumb. Among the book Stephen King's It, there was also a rash of phantom clown sightings throughout the U.S. And we were probably too young to. Rob, you may, and that's not a joke. You may remember a tiny little bit um, in the 80s, vans going around trying to lure kids in with candy and dressed up oh, as clowns. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 We've talked about this before. We have, yeah, most definitely. Um, yeah, that, that was really prevalent in the 80s. You had vans driving around with clowns trying to lure children in with candy and balloons and everything That's else. That's where I hunted clowns down to the eighth grade. That was where it started? That's your origin story? Yeah, that was... I talked about this. Downtown like, there was Philly reports of a clown walking around... Uh, Driving around okay, in the van yeah. in our city yeah. and trying to lure kids in with candy, and we started trying to hunt the clown down to protect the kids. Yeah, okay. But you know what's funny? You you laugh a little bit. Um, we had the same thing in El Dorado. I remember, like, right around the time I was allowed to ride my bike past the corner, um, there was another rash of those sightings. It wasn't so much clowns, but in El Dorado, the urban legend was the smiley van. There was, like, a smiley face van, a white van that had a big smiley face painted on it. And if you were by yourself riding your bike or walking or, you know, coming home from school, it would pull up next to you and the door would open up and you'd hear a guy say, hey, I got some candy. You want some candy? Come on out of the van. Yeah, I guess that that urban legend or that actual thing is probably that's where the whole phantom. That's where the whole phantom clowns thing began was where they would report for two or three days of these clowns that showed up in a town and, and people would start to worry and then they just stopped happening. Over yeah. and over again, and last year it started again, and everybody was like, "Oh, that's weird." And then all of a sudden, we had the big outbreak, outbreak because of social media, where everybody started doing the clown things, and yeah. and it just got becoming. It became. It went from something that was pretty small and contained to something that absolutely gotten too big. Yeah, you're exactly right. And uh, y- actually, it's happening again, supposedly. And take that with a grain of salt because it's it's also very convenient, but. Maybe it's so simple that it's it's true. I think it was Pennsylvania released a public statement um, to many different cities saying that be on the lookout for clowns. With the insurgence of the popularity of Stephen King's It, the movie's right around the corner. There have been a couple sightings of clowns wandering through the towns, dark alleys and you know stuff like that. And people were warned, if you see a clown that makes you feel threatened, don't attack it, don't run towards it, don't antagonize it. You should just simply call the authorities and get out of the area as quick as you can. So nobody try to be a killer clown downtown rob and take them on, you know, single-handedly, definitely call the authorities. But, yeah, that's that was one of the biggest things in the 80s, man, those vans rolling around. And, of course, half of it's fear and paranoia and half of it is based on truth. It just spreads. It hits one place and just starts making its way out like a spider web and – with that, of course, you know, you've got Stephen King's It. We've also got killer clowns from outer space popping out right around that time as well. So this is really the big insurgence of when the killer clown uh, nomenclature starts to kind of become popular. So You guys should watch it. If you haven't watched Stitches on Netbook or uh, not <laughs> <A> Netbook, <laughs> on Netflix yet, uh-huh. you should watch Stitches. Was it good? good. We'll yeah. talk about – I want to hit on the on clown movies at the end. 
Um, so the next story, unfortunately, about uh, creepy real-life clowns, and that's the one, Preston, you're going to want to talk about with me a little bit too maybe, is Klutzo, the case of Klutzo the Clown. And Klutzo the Clown, uh, his alias is Ammon Paul Carlock Jr., and he was a popular Christian clown from Springfield, Illinois. Using the stage name Kletzo the Clown, he entertained countless Sunday school kids and even orphans from other countries like Mexico and the Philippines. The fact that the entertainer was also a former minister, magician, police officer, and youth counselor made people believe that he was just another normal guy in the business for all the right reasons. But it turns out Carlock was just another wolf in a clown's clothing. In 2007, Carlock arrives in San Francisco International Airport after working as a clown at an orphanage in the Philippines. Because he just came home from a country known for high-risk sex trafficking, Carlock was stopped by immigration authorities. Unfortunately, nude photos of young boys, some of whom were not aware they were being photographed, were found on his laptop and digital camera. A quick search reveals that at least 21 child pornographic movies were recovered from his home as well. Three boys from the House of Joy came forward, revealing that Carlock had molested them as well. Kletzo the Clown gave his alibis, of course, but nothing saved him from the multiple child porn charges. Federal agents found more than 60 images of naked boys on his laptop and camera, according to court documents filed by his attorney. Carlock was allowed to return to Springfield, Illinois, where federal agents served a search warrant at his home September 28, 2007. Now, here's where things get tricky. While agents were finding evidence of child porn at his house, Carlock grew lethargic and was rushed to St. John's Hospital. He was unresponsive on arrival, and he committed himself to the hospital psychiatric unit the next day. He already had a history of mental and physical problems. Back in 2004, Carlock had been diagnosed with depression and hospitalized after becoming suicidal. He was diagnosed with diabetes long before that and needed insulin daily. Shortly after the search of his home, he displayed a cutting behavioral and suicidal thoughts and, con- thoughts and concerns that his wife would divorce him, according to court documents. Marital fears became reality five days after the search of his home when Karloff's wife filed for divorce. Karloff broke a wooden spoon off and swallowed it in an attempt to kill himself. Four days later, he was taken from the hospital to jail. He arrived at Sangamon County Jail in stable medical condition and psychiatric health, indicating that his conditions were manageable, attorneys for Karloff's estate wrote in court documents. That soon changed as well. When Kletso arrived at jail, the staff didn't check his blood sugar, nor did he promptly receive his prescribed medication that first day. According to the plaintiffs, papers from the hospital including a list of medication as well as a notice that Carlock had been diagnosed with depression uh, and was at risk of suicide were not found. And now I know why those clown do- dolls always watched me when I was a little boy. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, Dr. Joseph Maurer of Springfield said that he checked the list of prescription medications, um, and he had a prescription for clonopin, a drug used to treat anxiety, and it was discontinued, and a prescription for Busbar, also known for anti-anxiety drugs, uh, were reduced while in jail. The health staff also cut off a prescription for fast-acting form of insulin, although the jail was supposed to provide other forms of insulin and regularly check Korloff's blood sugars. Carlock was also prescribed lithium, a psychotic drug for his mental issues. On October 17th, eight days after becoming an inmate, Carlock appears before the U.S. mitigation and says he feels fine other than some small stomach pains. Shortly after that, Carlock died one month later while incarcerated. 
from that fucking wooden spoon that he ate. I think it was a plastic spoon, but yeah, probably the same thing. So yeah, that's uh, it's sad when anybody loses a life, but that's I don't know, kind of a I don't know, it took a different turn there towards the end of that story. But yeah, again, classic case of why a clown. Well, as a clown, you can get really close to anybody, unfortunately. So very, Especially very Filipino boys. <laughs> Aww. Aww. So, yeah, it's unfortunate that that kind of stuff happens. But, yeah, so people ask, why are we afraid of clowns? And that's a pretty good reason why. A, they're super creepy to look at. And B, unfortunately, there are real-life clowns who do some pretty shitty, dastardly deeds. So there you have it. And we came across some other um, stories and some other urban legends and whatnot about clowns that we didn't think were too pertinent to include in the story as we're telling now. So... We're going to throw some production on top of those and include those stories later because some of them are just fun to listen to because of how creepy they are. But uh, you guys got any party thoughts about clowns, really? Uh, nope. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I, do have an, I do have an update from a story from last episode, though. Okay, so uh, everybody remembers the girl that was missing for a month in the woods and lived off of berries and, um, and mud water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was with the two dudes that uh, were supposed to be robbing that campsite, right? Yep. Well, here's yep. the funny thing. The sheriff come out and said he thinks she knows what happened. The girl was on meth. <laughs> he thinks she, she thinks, he thinks that her and the two guys were on meth at the time, and when they realized what was going on, they she jumped from the van and was lost in the woods and didn't have any clue how to get out of the woods, being high on meth and not knowing what direction to go. Uh, also, even funnier to the story, that the two guys that she was with, they were so high that they thought they had murdered her. Oh, they thought wow. they had murdered her, and so they even got to the point where they were blaming each other for it in jail and swearing, telling the police that they were did a mur- they killed this woman out in the woods. The police could never find her. <laughs> so they, all in all, they were so high they thought they killed her. And so when she showed up, they were relieved because they thought they had murdered this poor girl. Um, and and also the funniest thing about the story though is originally when she was found and everybody was sympathetic to her plight, it was she was known as the radio. Uh, she was studying radiology at uh, the at the, the university there in Alabama, wherever she was going. And then the updated story about the meth suddenly the Hooter, the the Hooters waitress. Uh, Lisa Theris. I'm like, oh, so apparently, once you start smoking meth, they go instead of going with the prestigious radiology tech studies, you're now the Hooters waitress. Yeah. So, so I think that's pretty shitty. Yeah, that's that is kind of shitty to describe them in that manner. But so this whole thing we were thinking was a great missing 411 story is just some girl that was hopped out of her skull on meth, huh? Yeah. I mean, but still, imagine 28 days out into the freaking backwoods of alabama <laughs> right so yeah i mean yeah meth or no meth you're gonna be pretty screwed up <laughs> after about no, the first three days that's pretty methed up that's good stuff oh, the muddy that's... water was really mething with her <laughs> <laughs> god we're going to quit that right now. It's going to start to meth with my head. So 
what we should do, typically we kind of do a, hey, what you've been watching kind of follow up on this shit. But uh, let's talk a little bit about clowns a little more before we leave. Um, I just mentioned I finished reading Stephen King's It. If people haven't read that book, definitely do. It is an emotional uh, investment as well as a time investment, but it's a pretty fantastic book. I'm not a huge fan of King, but uh, that that was a phenomenal book. And uh, you guys have all both read it, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. There we go. So um, what are there any other clown movies or anything you can think of that people should watch as far as like clowns go in uh, popular culture, horror especially? Uh, Spawn. You should go watch Spawn oh, and J- John Leguizamo's uh, Fat Clown. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, yep, you're exactly right. Clowns have been in a lot of pop culture. What was his name? Do you remember what was that creature's name? Nope. I don't either. Yeah, shit, I can't remember either, but yeah. He was the main villain, though. Yeah, his main villain, his human form was just a fat, gross clown. Um, And also, hell, Batman. I mean, everybody knows one of the top five, yeah, top five villains of all time uh, is the Joker, and he's basically playing off the the mythos of a clown as well. And we mentioned earlier about gestures gestures having their faces, you know, cut open and, uh, mm, uh, I almost said manipulated. Mutilated. <laughs> uh, that might be the reason why a little Joker has that permanent smile. But um, yeah, Stephen King's It. That's getting ready to roll out. We mentioned Killer Clowns from Outer Space. What about uh, Poltergeist? Was it Poltergeist One or Poltergeist Two that had that creepy clown doll in it? Mm, one, I think. Was it one? That's what I thought. Yeah. I was pretty sure it was one. But yeah, that movie. One of the most uh, famous scenes of all time is that fucking clown. When I looked up like top ten clowns from horror movies, uh, the clown doll from Poltergeist was on that list. <laughs> <laughs> so, pretty awesome. Um, you mentioned one on Netflix that you watched, right, Preston? Yes, yeah, Stitches. Yeah, was it worth it? So it's worth it. It's really funny, um, classic, you know, British comedy about a clown uh, who dies at a while performing at a kid's birthday party, <laughs> and uh, he comes back like sixteen years later or whatever it is, thirteen years later, and exact his revenge on all these little bastards so that's fantastic um the other one that i was waiting for for so long and stitches came out right about the same time as this movie was eli roth's movie called clown didn't see it uh we watched it about a month ago and i wanted to hate this movie because i feel like eli roth once he did hostile uh he I mean, he outdid himself with Hostel too, and then I think he's just been a downward spiral since then. I think he's kind of just kind of come and gone and washed up. But uh, he had his movie called Clown, and a similar premise in a way, like a dad hires a clown for his kid's six-year-old birthday party, and then, of course, the clown doesn't show up, and he finds the mysterious trunk in the house that he's getting ready to renovate or some bullshit. And he puts on the suit, and then all of a sudden he can't take the nose off, he can't take the suit off, and he begins to kind of turn into this killer clown. It was pretty good. I I didn't want to like it, but it was it was pretty great actually. I'd give it a what solid about, uh, three and a half seconds. Rob Zombie's uh, House of a Thousand Corpses wasn't Captain Spaulding. Captain Spaulding, yep, he's another very uh, very important, very popular clown in pop culture, especially in horror. So um, Killjoy, I haven't seen Killjoy. It's a popular movie, guys. Clown House, uh, Amusement's pretty popular. There's been a boatload of them. But what about? Um, Unfortunately, I'm not a big fan of American Horror Story anymore as I was in the beginning. But I think it was season four in Freak Show. They had Twisty the Clown. Yeah. And as far as like if you separate the shitty storyline from all those shows, uh, Twisty the Clown is a pretty great character. And a fun fact for you, he shows up again. The actor portraying him was John Carroll Lynch. He shows back up, I think, in the hotel season uh, portraying John Wayne Gacy. A little fun fact for you there. So. 
Wah, wah. Yeah, there we are. So, all right. Well, with that being said, check out those scary clown movies, guys. It's Halloween time, so definitely do yourself a favor and check. It is not out. Halloween time. It is September. Right. And for the rest of you that agree with me, shut the hell up, Rob. It's Halloween time. It's time for Halloween time. Doesn't start till the fall. It is still summer. Trick. Whatever. There's. You got the your uh, pumpkin spice lattes. Yeah, so. bro. As soon as those pumpkin time. spice beers. Eventually, that shit's going to be released in January, and in January, it's still not going to be fucking fall. <clears throat> right. So, when, there. When the cold wind blows, today we had a cold front roll through, buddy. It's time for horror movies. Eh. Yeah, well, it was 90 today here, so fuck off. Right, it is well, not the fall. <laughs> sucks to be you, nerd. <laughs> Go get your pumpkin spice latte, Rob. Yeah, Robert. Go try a pumpkin spice shandy. Mike's, hard, Mike's hard pumpkin. That just sounds like a really gross porn star. <laughs> All right. Well, let's plug stuff and hit the old dusty trail. Oh, indeed podcast are uh, brothers from another mother. They have a new episode that downloaded last week. I believe I was out roofing and I got the notification and was listening to it while I was roofing. So uh, go check it out. Nice. All right. Nice. Also listen to the pixelated radio the podcast with me, Mark, Corey and Rich as we talk about video games and a little bit of pop culture stuff, but mostly video games. Also, listen to the main event podcast with Evan and Zach. Um, they finally did put my episode up, and I know Sean gave it a listen. Yeah, that was I a fun a one, Rob. I liked yeah. that a lot. So they do a pretty good podcast. It's called The Main Event. Uh, usually, if you have a hard time finding it, maybe put in The Main Event Wrestling Beer. Not that wrestling is oh, beer, really? but... Yeah, yeah but... Um, well, their so. show's good. It's about beer and wrestling. I enjoy one of those things and used to enjoy the other. Um, and they make it approachable. Like, I've listened to three episodes, and I haven't been like, oh, just get on with it. It's a fucking wrestling. It's actually yeah. pretty good, man. I, I really dig those it. Are, they're really nice dudes, and, you know, I was yeah. I I like how they do their show, and and it's uh, it kept me talking. I mean, I they did the, most of that show we did was about me and the paranormal stuff and not – right. Anything about the disgusting shandy beer we had? Pixelated Paranormal Takeover. Yep. Yeah. So. And you know Disney porn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit also, of Disney porn in there. Sports car unleashed with Rich, his sports car podcast. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's always a good one. I've yet to listen to, but I bet you anything, it's not bad. Yeah, all. I bet it's a really good podcast too if you like cars. Yeah, and if you're into that also kind of Mark's podcast by himself, Pixelated Sausage Cast, which is mm-hmm. no good. At all, because he sucks. Aww. You take and that I, back. I'll tell him to his face. I ain't afraid of Ooh, him. That sounds like a challenge. Yeah, it's all right. It's If you like anime, and if you like hearing him talk about video games, because he sure as fuck don't do it on our podcast, because he wa- talks about it on his own podcast. Ooh, telling. Hey, speaking yeah. of podcasts, let's tip the old uh, hat to Evan and the guys for the main event. We forgot to mention one of the most popular clowns in history. Who is it, Rob? Doink the Clown. Doink the Clown. Boy, howdy. Yeah, for you guys. And Dink. Oh, that's right. He had a little uh, a little person, right? We can't yeah, and I hated, I hated Dink. I liked Doink when he was the bad guy clown, and then he became the cutesy clown with the little mascot Dink, and then it was kind of yeah. dumb. Doink was like the heel for a while, and just a real asshole, and then they kind of rebranded and, him as an actual clown. Well, Doink clown. also had like a, a doppelganger sometimes that would come in and interfere in the matches as mm-hmm. well, where the ref would know which one was which, and then, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. So Yeah, that's it, fun to go back and think about that. Doink went on this like small, middle, uh, 
I guess during the halfway through his career, he was exactly that, a clown, a court jester. And he'd show up and just hit people with rubber mallets or like pull their, their singlets down or like hit them with hammers or just do stupid clowny things. And somebody said that he came back uh, recently. Somebody came yeah, back. Yeah, he did a Royal Rumble, I think. But somebody said he came back and he was more of like a the, – the new doink was a takeoff of the Joker. Like it was a real like streamlined uh-huh. like – hipster clown like real dark gothic kind of crap but i couldn't find anything about it i didn't look that hard but but uh the original doink the clown was matt osborne yeah and i he i can't remember who he was he was uh i don't know if he had any other famous wrestling persona but i know the name matt yeah Osborne. osborne he unfortunately died and i think it was related to an overdose yeah 2013 yep yeah, that was one of my favorites, man. I loved it. Didn't weren't there actually like three midget wrestlers for a while with Dink? Hell, I don't remember. Yeah, it's been a long time ago. So, all right. Well, after that, guys, we do have to mention Big Dobbs Beardbalm.com. If you've got a beard, you should balm it. It is some fantastic stuff. I'm we all so glad it. Preston has grown his beard back. Yeah, Preston's beard. He came doesn't back. look He's... like pedophile Pete. Yeah. Wowza. Yeah, I didn't have a chin there for a while, but the. Uh, no, you had two is, of them. Uh, yeah, it's filling out <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's why you don't shave the beard when you grow it back. You don't realize that they just multiply underneath there. So, uh, <laughs> just kidding, baby. Just kidding. You still. Yeah, I'm afraid to shave mine off anymore because I'm like, I will see all those chins. <laughs> all those chins? I, uh, I actually kind of trimmed mine up with the beard trimmer on a six and it took my beard down a little bit uh-huh. and i'm kind of disappointed i wish i just I, i'm not good at keeping it trimmed up to look uh, nice yeah. it fluffs out too much you'll learn eventually you know what today on beard talk let's talk about trimming beards rob always go about one click shorter on the sides leave the bottom about the corner of your mouth to the middle of your chin one click longer I don't even know what that means. Good. I'll tell you when you're older. So, yeah. <laughs> Guys, check out be- <laughs> BigDobsBeardBalm.com. Check out. He's got some great beard balms, some great oils, some great soap. If and you it use, smells fantastic. It does smell amazing would be an accurate word to describe that. If you use the promo. What? Fantastimoso. Fantastimoso. If you use the promo code PXLPARA, you can receive 20% off your purchase with our promo code for BigDobsBeardBalm.com. Thanks a bunch, man. We appreciate your products. Anything else? Nope. All right. If you haven't seen it by the time the show airs, go see Stephen King's It, unless it gets terrible reviews, and in which case, still go see it. Make your own opinions, guys. Don't be sheep. Stephen King saw it twice and shit his pants. Yeah, I don't. He was so scared. Did he really shit his pants? He said, "I was so scared, I shit myself." Huh. I need proof. Pixar didn't. He happen. also said he was okay with the Dark Trilogy or Dark Tower. That's I don't true, believe yeah. what Stephen King says about his movies anymore. And he wrote a book a, while he was on cocaine. Yeah. He wrote a lot of books when he was on cocaine. Hey, that's true. <laughs> that's true. There we go. All right, guys, thanks for uh, listening to that little longer episode, counting all the extra stories I plugged in there. So check it out, and we will catch you all next time. I don't know why I, I, don't know why I said check it out. Thanks for checking it out. We will catch you all next time around. Later. Peace. But wait, there is more to plug still on this episode, guys. I just wanted to drop back in real quick and talk about the 2017 Horror Fest at the Wichita Old Town Warren. And guys, if you didn't know, usually every year for the last several years, 
the Old Town Warren has done a fantastic job bringing a lot of classic horror movies to Wichita. And this year is no exception. They've recently dropped the actual lineup for this year. And guys, we have some heavy hitters. I'm going to drop these to you real quick here. On Monday, October 2nd, don't miss Suspiria, the 4K 40th Anniversary Restoration. 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. showings both. On Tuesday, October 3rd, one of my most favorite and cherished horror movies of all time, the original 1985 Fright Night, will be showing again, 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Monday, October 9th, 7 p.m., double feature. Stephen King's The Dead Zone with Christopher Walken and also the original Pet Cemetery as well. This one is a double feature. It starts at 7 p.m. for the low, low price of 10 bucks. 10 bucks for two movies. Man, that's a great deal. Tuesday, October 10th, Monster Squad, the 1987 classic, hitting you guys again, 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Monday, October 16th, the original King Kong from 1933, and also Them from 1954. Yeah, that's right, guys, another double feature. 10 bucks for two great classic movies. Tuesday, October 17th, you can't miss this one, guys. It's a classic, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, 7 p.m., 10 p.m. as well. October the 23rd, Monday, another fantastic double feature, two classics, Cat People and Videodrome. Boom, 7 p.m., guys, 10 bucks for, again, two more fantastic movies packed into one night. On October 24th, don't miss Jaws, the 1975 classic, 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. And Monday, October 30th, the original, the one and only George Romero classic, Night of the Living Dead. And that, too, is the 50th anniversary 4K restoration of the one and only horror movie. And if you couldn't make it that night, guys, don't worry. We're bringing it back on Halloween night, 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Again, the original Night of the Living Dead, 1968, 4K restoration. For the Horror Fest at Old Town, any single movie ticket is only 5 bucks. 5 bucks for some of the best classic horror movies money can buy, and you're getting a chance to see them again on the big screen. Any double features only run you $10, a fantastic deal, two heavy hitters in one night. My God, it's amazing. But that's not all, because we're not done yet. At the Starlight Drive-In here in Wichita, they are bringing you as well some fantastic titles with their triple feature Terror Fest. Friday and Saturday both, September the 15th and 16th. Featuring a trio of not-too-scary-but-great-classic-spooky-movies. In one night, you can watch Tim Burton's Beetlejuice, Joe Dante's Gremlins, and are you sitting down for this, guys? I've got a tattoo on my leg which tells you how much I love this movie. That's right, Tim Burton's Mars Attacks in the same night. Beetlejuice, Gremlins, and Mars Attacks all in one night, September 15th and 16th. And, you know, if those aren't quite scary enough for you, it's okay because we've got you covered. The second triple feature at the Starlight Drive-In here in Wichita will be the Scary Show triple feature. Sam Raimi's Evil Dead, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, and also, man, one of the most classic, iconic horror movies of all time, The Phantasm, the 4K restoration. All three movies, again, in one night. Why wouldn't you go? That fantastic triple feature can be caught on October 6th 
and 7th. Friday, October 6th, Saturday, October 7th. So do yourself a favor. Do me a favor. Do everybody a favor who had anything to do with bringing these fantastic movies to Wichita. Go see one of these. Go see all of them. If you don't see any of them, at least, please tell your friends. It's very important that we support these kind of things here in Wichita. And why wouldn't you, my God, look at the title lineup? It's going to be fantastic. So yes, please tell your friends, buy a couple tickets, buy your honey a ticket, buy your sweetie a ticket, take somebody on a blind date, just go. Nothing beats a good classic horror movie. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. You have two ways. One, email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we have that set up too. Dial us at 707-523-4263. Again, that's 707-523-4263. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Czechoslovakian clown by the name of Frederick Zozabi moved to Liverpool. He tragically committed suicide, but his ghost remained behind to haunt unsuspecting families. In December 2002, 13-year-old Thomas and his younger brother Aaron were awakened late in the evening in their bunk beds by what seemed to be echoing laughter. They soon opened their eyes to see a hair-raising apparition standing in the doorway. Dressed in a one-piece maroon suit, the ghostly clown held one hand upon his belly, the other pointing in the children's direction. While the terrified children looked on, the ghost of Zozobi taunted them, laughing hysterically and pointing all the while. His face, however, was what was most bizarre. A long crooked nose, hollow eye sockets like that of a skull, and heavy white makeup made the cloud completely unrecognizable. Flesh seemed to drip and peel off of his face, all while he laughed at the terrified children. After the parents came in, the clown disappeared, and they reported smelling the sweet, sickly aroma that accompanies someone who has been freshly embalmed. It was a dark, stormy evening in California when a wealthy family hired a young girl to babysit their children. They gave her free reign of the house, but requested she watch TV in the far room as not to wake the children. She did as she was asked, but became gradually more and more freaked out by the life-size clown doll in the corner of the room. 
hours went by, and the vacant gaze of the clown doll became too much to bear. She called the kid's mother, asking if she could watch TV in another room, explaining that their giant clown doll was scaring her. The mother gasped, screamed, then shuddered. Get the kids out of the house! We don't own a life-size clown doll! Ugh, I'm gonna need a shoebox full of blow to get through this dreck.